Welcome to the third episode of Share Your Story series. This is a podcast-like experience where we get to explore humanity one heart at a time. I'm your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm the founder of Grieving Coach. Um, before we begin, um, I'd like to share a little bit about the story behind this series. Um, lately, I've been connecting with some really amazing people. And as I've been meeting with them and talking with them, I've learned so much from them. And I wanted to share this gift that I've been given in connecting with people to others. And then I had a creativity moment where I realized that I can, and I can do that in podcast format. So that's um, kind of how this series came to be. And for Valentine's Day today, we have author Larry Indiviglia joining us today. Larry's book, 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, is a memoir of his time with his girlfriend, Gail, as she struggles with stage four cancer until the time that she transitions. He wrote the book to honor the life of Gail and their love for each other. Although brief, Larry considers his relationship with Gail as one of the most profound experiences of his life. He also hopes that 126 days, 11 minutes inspires others to say yes to love, even when logic says no. Larry believes that there are many beautiful souls who are looking to discover and experience unconditional love, and his book shows it is possible. Welcome, Larry. Jenny, it is a pleasure and honor to be here, and um, I am so happy for you in the uh, inspiration that uh, you got clarity on where you wanted to go and how you could best serve, and uh, you're making a, a difference every day to so many people, so many listeners, and I'm sure uh, your community is going to grow in the process. So congratulations. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here, Larry. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, Valentine's Day weekend, you know, Valentine's week, and uh, it's a week where love is uh, paramount in people's thoughts, and, uh, you know, wherever that happens to be, if it's a traditional man-woman relationship or other types of relationships, Valentine's is, is about love, and um, little did I know that last year, this weekend, I was actually with Gail, and uh, one year later, I'd be on your beautiful podcast here talking about uh, a book uh, that actually was written in honor of her life. Uh, one year later, it's, uh, it's, type, it's kind of surreal in a lot of ways, but yeah. uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Yeah. It's interesting how time, our sense of time, it, it gets warped. <laughs> yeah. It, it does. I, you know, um, if somebody would have told me last January 2020 that I would have uh, met a woman online and had a very profound, deep relationship with her, that it was only going to last four months, she was going to transition, then I was going to write a book about the experience in honor of her life and that the book would be out by the end of the year. I, I don't know if I would have been able to grasp all that or agree that that was actually going to happen, but it has. Yeah. So the universe has a way of bringing us together and bringing uh, similar energies together for a reason. And uh, sometimes we don't know why, 
but later on, on the higher level of consciousness, I'm sure I will find that answer out. Yeah. Agreed. So you've, we've been talking a lot about your book and I'm sure listeners are really excited to hear more about it. So tell us about your book. Sure, and, and, and thanks for the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, the first thing is the title. People say 126 days, 11 minutes. Like, what is this 11 minutes about? I'll leave that intrigue a little bit, you know, for the people who perhaps do want to invest in it and, and read the whole story. But the backstory is this, in the summary, very, very quickly and succinctly, is uh, it's two actively aging seniors in their 60s. One is Gail, one is Larry, who decide to find love online and go on an online dating site. Both have been there before, but have not found love successfully. But this time it's a new year, a new decade. It's early January, 2020. And uh, they meet each other online and against all odds, uh, odds maybe, uh, family and quickly in love. And maybe because it's against all odds because one of them, in this case, Gail, uh, is battling stage four breast cancer and had been for four years. Larry and Gail decide they, to live into today not in the yesterdays. I had been married once before. Gail had been married three times before. Didn't matter. And we're going to live in the today and not worry about too far ahead in the tomorrows and have a real honest, loving, truthful, romantic, intimate, and just fun relationship um, and embellish each day and find joy in each day. And um, that is shared in the book. And they find out, especially myself, is that it is possible and worthwhile to love with loss rather than never to have loved at all. And uh, the book um, is the format is in days, a new gale, 126 days and 11 minutes. Each chapter is a day. Each day has a theme or a title. Uh, the comments that I've received so far on 126 days, 11 minutes, our love story, that it could be read in two sittings and that it's very hard to put down once you get into it. Each chapter is very short, maybe two and a half, three pages maximum each day. So I find that people will know how quote it ends or maybe, depends how you look at it, how it begins. Yet, once you get into it, it is hard to put down. And um, I share a lot of different lessons in the book. So I, I did want to, to share that about, about the book. And uh, I'm very excited, at least this month, the audio version should be coming out any day. So right now it's in written version and the audio version as narrated by two voice actors will be out very, very shortly. So um, yeah, that, that's the, the story about the book. And um, just so people get an understanding of what it's about. Wonderful. Tell us about your experiences with Gail. How that, um, how your time with Gail shaped your life. There was um, many things I learned from Gail. Life and love lessons um, that that when I look back on it was so profound and so meaningful, I wanted to share that with the world. I wanted to share what I learned 
um, with this wonderful woman who had a very high IQ and a very high EQ, which sometimes is hard to find. Somebody with a high intellectual quotient sometimes emotionally is not as elevated or enlightened. And somebody with a very high emotional quotient, you know, maybe you're not intellectually really elevated. Gail had both. She was fluent in um, French and Russian. Um, she was very uh, tied to nature. Nature was a big part of her. She happened to be a Virgo, so she was an earth maiden, and she had a really great connection to nature. Nature was life to her. Nature didn't imitate life. Nature was life. So in, in the experience I have and I share in the book, there was great joy and adventure the first 65 to 70 days of our relationship. We went out, we did things. She was relatively healthy, even though she was pursuing alternative treatments for cancer and some traditional, but she was able to do her Argentine tango dancing. She was able to do her ballet. She was able to do her hikes. She was able to do a lot of, and a very strict nutrition regimen as well. And we really were able to do a lot. Then when the cancer came back, we had moved to her brain, our relationship changed, okay? In a sense, it got deeper and there was a different phase we had to experience with each other because then it was reality and that it was going to be the last stage of her life. But I learned about uh, hope and the importance of keeping hope alive. She felt she was gonna beat stage four breast cancer. She had been on that journey for over four years. When we met, I was never under the impression that she was gonna transition four months after I met her. I, I never had that mindset and I don't believe she did either. It developed that way. And we were able um, and to just experience some great things. And I think as far as loving relationship, and I wanted this and I think she did too, is to be able to align mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually with a person in my case with a woman and in her case with a man. And we were in alignment on all four of those and not an easy thing sometimes to accomplish or to create, you know, between two people, between a man and a woman. And we were able to do that. And it, it all started with, um, with being willing to unconditionally love. And Gail told me early on, she says, Larry, unconditional love without expectations conditions or expect expectation conditions or judgments, you must be able to unconditionally love yourself first before you can unconditionally love another. And I had done some personal work and I believe she had too, and we were able to do that. So that was um, something that was very, very important in our relationship. The book is inspirational. The story is inspirational. It ends in a transitional state with Gail moving on uh, I find that there's um, so much that we enjoyed together and learned from each other uh, that um, it, it was kind of a labor of love to actually write and to put out there. It really was. That's wonderful. So many good nuggets in what you just shared. Um, mm. And I think the one that stands out to me the most is that unconditional love without judgment, without criticism, with presence, um, starts with unconditional love for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, 
I can tell that you learned that lesson because of the way you speak so lovingly about Gail and about yourself and the confidence that you bring. Yeah, and, and it's from other, you know, look, I was 64 years old when I met Gail. Gail was 68. You know, we had been down the road in our life's journeys. We weren't in our 20s. So there was a lot of life experience and lessons that we, we learned because we looked at them as lessons, not mistakes. And we learned from that. And we were able to bring that to, to the table. You know, the other thing that helped to me, I had some empathy for Gail uh, because I had been a stage one cancer survivor. I still am. I didn't have to go through certainly anything Gail did to that extent. But I did get a cancer diagnosis. So I had empathy for her in, in when you get that diagnosis. The, um, the other thing was, um, on, and since we're talking about Valentine's Day and love, Gail quoted a very important lyric from a Nat King Cole song called Nature Boy. And I share it in the book. And the lyric, it's a beautiful lyric from the song. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. So we as giver, Jenny, you're a giver. You give a lot, okay? We, and I do too. We have to be willing to receive, okay? As much as we give, sometimes we are so giving we can have difficulty receiving. And when we have a love relationship, we must receive love in return. And I think that's something we, we want and sometimes harder to do for people who give a lot. And Gail always said, you know, that, that lyric, she would sing it to me and say, tell me very often about that. You know, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love, to show love, give it and be loved in, in return. It, it, must, it must come from both directions. And that was what um, our relationship was based on as well, unconditionally and in giving and receiving. Some people may say when they read the book, well, Larry, you went to great extremes to help Gail to really make her last stages of life as comfortable and as beautiful as you can. Perhaps I did that. The people who have departed and the people who are, are most, who have to sacrifice and suffer through some major challenges those are the real people who inspire. Um, you know, what I've done might have been nice, might have been something, but it, was, it comes from inspiration. You don't elevate your game. You don't elevate your lead. Um, using Gail's term as far as the dance with Argentine tango. In Argentine tango, the male leads and the woman follows, but she doesn't follow, she responds. She doesn't follow just blindly. So she was, she was confident and happy with me leading, of course, always with respect to her. And that was our relationship. And we, we, we gave to each other and received, but I received much more from her than she did from me. And I really believe that because when I look back on it, um, man, she was, she had a, a very deep soul and a great breath of spirit. She really did. You talk about Gail's tango. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I'm wondering if the relationship that you had, if if the tango, the dance, mm -hmm. is a metaphor of your relationship. And you touched on this a little bit. Say more about that. Yes. Um, two things. You know, Gail does live in this book. The cover is one of her professional photographs of a couple dancing tango. And as coincidence has it, maybe not, maybe not a coincidence, she always did a lot of black and white photos. She was a professional photographer for 33 years, had published three books. This was one of her few color photos and it turned out to be the perfect cover for the book. Tango kept her alive. She had said she always had tango to hold on to, even when she lost all her hair, even when she had the single mastectomy, even when she had to have neck surgery, she, she had been a five, a full five foot seven woman. She was very statuesque. After the neck surgery, she was five four. She had come to terms with how her physical um, appearance and condition changed because of the cancer. But tango is about the embrace and it's always, you could always find somebody to embrace with because that is always the center of that dance. And she, she said openly, I always had tango, Larry, that I can do even through all the treatment. And sometimes I, I was able to do it more so than others. Sometimes I was very sick. I couldn't dance for a month or two, but I always had it to fall back on and to look forward to. And it was a metaphor. She felt that um, it started with the embrace and it started with the lead and the response. And, and she, was, she was tuned into that. She was a strong woman. Let me, let's make no mistake. Gail was a very gentle soul and she was very mystical. She believed in astrology. She did a lot of different, um, even rune, um, Viking stone castings. She was in, she was very very connected to that type of thing, and her uh, belief in a higher power was not the traditional belief in God, so to speak. It was a higher power and higher level of consciousness. So she felt that after her transition, she would be dancing tango forever somewhere, okay, on the next level of consciousness, and that tango, it was that, it was that relationship the importance and the respect of the embrace and how each step she would dance from her souls, literally the soles of her feet to her soul. And it was that important to her. So it was a metaphor for life. And it's very insightful you said that, um, Jenny, and picking that up. Um, that's beautiful. She danced from her the soles of her feet to her soul. And um, it's such a tribute to her to be the the strong leader or the strong follower and to be able to embrace with heart body mind soul what she loves and her passion um you mentioned that the first 64, 65 days, the, that she was still able to be active. You oh, were yeah. still able to be adventurous. Mm -hmm. um, so how did that change 
how did her re relationship with Tango change um, as those that ability to physically Tango um, the yeah, it went away. It went away. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it did. Her balance. When it moved to her brain, one of the first things that happened, she started to lose her balance. That's what kind of started it. And then her energy went down. And a lot of the tan uh, the tango dancing is like late on a Friday or Saturday night. So it starts at 930 at night. And, um, you know, she found herself that she had to sleep more. And energetically, she knew there was a, a shift going on. I, I think she... She had hoped it wouldn't be a return of her cancer. Ultimately it was, and it took a few days to determine that. Um, but she would always stay with it because she was connected to her Tango community of friends. Okay, so they would always, and here's the ironic thing about it though. Well, maybe not, a, ironic, yes, coincidence, no. COVID hit. Gail started uh, getting brain cancer symptoms or if as you know things were not right at about March 9th or 10th everything was shut down due to COVID March 15th and tango dancing is still shut down so it's interesting as soon as her brain cancer hit she wouldn't have been able to dance anyway it was shut down wow so it was almost like the universe saying okay Gail um I'm not taking tango away. It's just going away right now because of what's happening. And now she had to now focus entirely on this last stage of her life, you know, which we, which we found out. And I shared in the book, um, the days leading up. And then when I finally had to take her into the emergency room and we got the diagnosis um, about the tumors in her brain and and that there was no really other treatment that was going to really help her. And um, she had two weeks to live. Uh, she ended up living more than two weeks. She ended up living six weeks, not two weeks. But um, so Tango went away and um, transition emerged and how she was gonna negotiate that. Um, I did have a picture of a tango dance in her hospice room. I would share the tango music. So we had tango night every Friday during the 44 days she spent in the inpatient hospice home here in San Diego at the Parkview home by Sharp Hospice Foundation. And they did a beautiful job of taking care of Gail. I did visit her every day there and uh, thank God I didn't come down with COVID, but it's interesting how COVID put tango off the table and it was like okay gal now we have a different dance that we have to dance and that was yeah. her transitional dance if you will yeah mm -hmm. wow i don't think it was coincidence i don't either i don't either like you said earlier, the universe gives us what we need when we need it. It, it, it does. It very much does. And, um, you know, when, when I look back on it, um, the four months I had with Gail, that was the way it was supposed to be. Okay. Connections in life 
and and ladies, you know this are are always for a reason. Some none are random. I don't believe any are random. Some last longer than others, and um, and it was supposed to be for whatever reasons. And I know some of those reasons now for four months or 126 days and 11 minutes, and that was it. And I uh, would have hoped we could have been longer, certainly, but um, that was the way it was supposed to be. And um, I do feel it was a real honor uh, to be able to spend that time with her. And, um, you know, somebody who has the courage to put themselves out there. And I remember when I first met her, she was very honest from the first phone call, from our first date, and I share that in the book, about she had a single mastectomy, what she had been through, who she was, how she was still a woman, and how she felt that if she couldn't be a woman, she wouldn't be standing or sitting in front of me. And she was just very, very courageous and, and, and very honest about how she felt and where she was at, okay? And then what she was interested in pursuing and not looking as, well, I'm about to die here in a few days, but no, um, I am embracing life. That's a powerful choice she made, and I learned that. The, the power of choosing to embrace life and love, especially when you're battling a stage four cancer. And I'm sure there's others out there battling different things, but to embrace life and love, even with that adversity and challenge in your life. Maybe that gets back, Jenny, to duality. Mm -hmm the concept of duality where we don't wanna suppress our feelings. I think sometimes maybe that's the ultimate self-acceptance where you could be scared, you could have a challenge, but you could also be joyful and have adventure too. And I think that's the way Gail, who is an enlightened soul felt. Okay, I could still battle this. I could still have my challenges, but you know what? I could also have great joy. I could have a relationship with man and I'm going for it. I'm not going to sit in a cave. Now, yeah. each person might be a little different that way, but she was very courageous. She was an extremely strong person. Okay. She battled a lot and she might be following and responding to her tango lead, but she was a very, very strong woman and, um, and was, was determined to boost her immune system, to fight the cancer as much as she could and to live as long as she could and hopefully find a cure or find a healing modality that maybe could have. For years or for at least a full year, she tried to explore Western medicine and alternative therapies. It was very tough to do that though. And again, I don't judge Western medicine, but to find that combination was mm -hmm. tough for her to find. And she had limited resources, so that also came into play. But, um, but those are some of the things, you know, that uh, the power to make that choice is uh, an important one. And um, uh, it's something I'll always remember about her. I'm glad she did, because if she didn't, we wouldn't be sitting here talking today. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. It's interesting that the power of choice is coming out as a theme, um, because that's what we talked about last week also with Boss mm -hmm. Labesque. Um, his mother died when he was 12 years old, and mm -hmm. she chose euthanasia. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, her, his mom's choice has empowered him, not only in that moment, but throughout his life. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
the power that we have to choose and to choose duality like you were saying mm -hmm. to choose to sit in the in the fear to sit with our discomfort and also have adventure Absolutely. You know, if you go back to, and there's other examples of it, you know, probably one of the 20, in my 20 key critical books, if I, it always makes my list is the Viktor Frankl book, Man and the Meaning of Life, who survived the Holocaust. And there's one thing Viktor said in his book is, you know what, when I was undergoing that horror, the one thing that the Nazis couldn't take away from me was my ability to choose how I was going to react to it. Did I lose my mind and run to the barbed wire and get shot to death? I had the ability always to choose how I was gonna to respond to the horror and they could not take that away from me. That kept him going. So, you know, when we come down to that, the power of choice is really, really so important and to be the, having the ability to, to, to retain that and to have that and to make that. And, and Gail certainly yeah. did, she certainly did. How did the power of choice play out um, as you were doing the transitional dance, as you were learning this well, new dance? I share, I share in the book, and Jenny, thank you for asking. I share in the book, especially the week when Gail was readmitted to the hospital and we knew there was not gonna be any other treatment her tumors were inoperable, is what was the next transitional step? And um, Gail always stood in her truth. She learned in four years in dealing with the medical community and her cancer treatments, you just can't sit there. You have to ask questions. You have to be your own advocate because if not, because every case is different. And um, sometimes the medical community, they do the best they can, but you can become a number. Gail did not want to transition in my place at my home. She didn't want to. She didn't want to transition there. She didn't want to transition in her mother's home. She did not want to. She wanted to transition where she felt she was going to find peace and not be a burden on her elderly mother or to me, who she knew at that time, only three months. She didn't want to do that. So as a result, it took some effort and I shared in the book how she was able to get into that four bed hospice home, uh, that Sharp Hospital, because there's not too many of them and they have 24 hour RN nursing care, okay? And Gail had a chemo port in her chest and she was looking for a hospice that could provide palliative care where they can inject, you know, the pain medication right into her port. That is not always done in an in-home situation, but she knew she needed that. And she fought for that and it took a while to get there. Great point you made. She also considered aid in dying, mm -hmm. which is legal in California. We pursued it, we got the information, there was one awesome physician who was a Western medicine physician that um, created um, a service to, to take people who are on their last stages and to, to do the assisted dying where you do ingest two cocktails at some point, okay? 
and that takes you to the next level of consciousness. However, there's rules around it. And it, there was going to be a 15 to 17 day process. Gail evaluated and said, um, the doctors gave me two weeks to live. I, I don't, she just didn't seem like it was going to work for her. And it wasn't about money. She just, but we did look at it. She did want to find out more information. So we did look at that. We looked at some other options and uh, divine intervention and some luck. And also probably because she stood in her truth and held to what her truth is and what she needed. We got her into the Parkview home. Once we were able to get her in there and, and to get to your question, question directly, the relationship Gail and I had, I don't wanna say it changed, it got deeper. Because at some point then the reality of the situation comes in, she was not gonna be in physical pain and she never was, I don't believe. We really, and the Parkview staff did a wonderful job on that. Mental and emotional pain, that's a different story. And because of COVID, their spiritual counselors couldn't come in. The musical therapist was allowed. Some of their services were reduced, but uh, they were really outstanding in the palliative care for Gail. And let me make no mistake, Gail did not want to transition. She was 68. She felt her earthly stay wanted, she wanted to stay here longer. However, it took her, and I think she did live the 44 days there because it took her longer to find emotional and mental peace before she was ready to transition. I share in the book how I couldn't provide that for her and she told me that. I felt I had to find my own peace first and I share that in the book so that I could help her find her own peace. So if I came in in a peaceful state, um, it was gonna help Gail get there. There was a lot of tears there was her emotional breakdown she had. I share some of that in the book. At time of transition though, where she was, I, I do believe she found peace before she transitioned. I do. It just took her a little longer to do that. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that, um, learned that professionally. Sometimes people can hold on physically mm -hmm. until they get the mental, emotional peace, spiritual peace that they mm -hmm. need to be able to transition. Mm. Um, and it's interesting that you pull, you um, brought up that you had to be at peace yourself. You had to find your own peace mm -hmm. before you could help her find hers. And um, it goes back to the self-love. We need to have unconditional self-love for our uh, unconditional love for ourselves before we can give that to others. I believe that in self-acceptance and, you know, the, the ability to, um, I, I, again, I'll bring in the, the concept of duality um, where, you know, sometimes the mind, and I, I respect all the mindset work and, you know, right now, how the brain works. There's just a lot of information coming out on that and gurus talking about it. And, and some of that makes perfect sense. However, the mind can sometimes try to shut off an emotion and that is not good to suppress feelings. 
It's like, no, no, I don't feel sad. I don't feel sad. I feel happy today. I feel happy today. You know, my mind's telling me I'm not sad and, and, and throwing it away somewhere. No, no, I think you need to acknowledge that. And hopefully it's not incapacitating to you. And some days perhaps it is. When you acknowledge it though, that's self-acceptance. And then you decide some of the things maybe, whether it's counseling, whether it's grief counseling, whether it's, um, whether it's uh, you know, working with others, uh, there's just a lot of different modalities and things you know, we, could, we can uh, choose, right? To bring into our lives to help us with that. But to totally suppress it, uh, I, I had done some work and I knew that that was not gonna work. And I knew Gail's like, well, she's out of physical pain, so everything is fine. No, everything is not fine. You know, she is transitioning. I'm not the one. So what could I do? What I share in the book and what I did, I find, and Jenny, you may know this too, and as a professional, people who may be transitioning still want a connection to real life. So where she was, there was a, a garden view. There was birds outside. There was fresh air. There was bird of paradise flowers, which also turned out to be two orchids which i talk about in the book that actually sprouted out out of nowhere two purple orchids and she had a connection there she had a connection to nature and she was very very um connected with nature and she wanted to keep that the tango music um things i brought in that reminded her of life okay and with a connection to life and especially ultimately with brain cancer you lose your ability to speak and you lose your ability in many cases to see. Okay, and, and again, I share that in the book, uh, not in a graphic way, but just as she evolved through the transition process, but you still have touch, power of touch, and then also hearing. So there's ways in the way our senses work, especially as we transition, you probably know more about that than I do, but my experience with Gail is you could still communicate and they could still feel and they could still hear, um, even though maybe their sight or their speech is no longer. So I found that doing that for her was very, very, uh, it was a positive thing to do and to maintain contact with the real world and with life. Mm -hmm. um, I think it did help her, you know, looking back. So I'm gonna be bold here. Mm. You've been talking a lot about Gail and Gail's transition, Gail's mm -hmm. experiences. Would you be open to shifting the conversation to Larry's experiences? Oh, sure. Larry's, uh, Larry's journey with this transition. Sure, absolutely. I experienced a lot of loss before in my life, tragically. And, um, you know, in this day and age, I think it's healthy for us to share, people share their stories. And sometimes it's, it could be like, you can get into this comparison game. It's like, oh, this person, oh God, you know, she experienced this or, oh God, this guy experienced that or, oh, she experienced two more tragedies. And it gets like, it gets a little crazy. However, when you've been, when you've experienced transition of family members, at different points in your life, you've been hurt by life before, okay? So you understand at least 
loss. And that said, I had never lost a soulmate or a lover or somebody on this level that in the relationship I had with Gail. So even though it was a loss, it was a deeper, different loss than my mother or my late brother or my late sister or my dad or my best friend, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, fine. So um, one of the things that, that I had to do was right. I felt that the lessons I had from Gail and with Gail that I wanted to share that. And sometimes emotion can work for you or it could work against you when you're writing or maybe anything you're doing. So I felt strongly about, it was almost like the perfect storm. The first thing I feel moved to do is as a catharsis is right. Okay, things were fresh in my mind. I had voicemails, I kept detailed journals, I had cards, I had a lot of things, texts that I can use to write what I experienced with Gail in 126 days and 11 minutes. So that was a decision I made to help me initially with my grief. It was also the perfect storm. The third thing was COVID. COVID affected my personal and professional life and I wasn't able to do a lot. So it gave me more time to write. So I wrote three hours every night and six hours on Saturday and Sundays. I had an accountability partner, Kelly Watson, who wrote the forward to the book. And I decided to do the book in days. And I gave Kelly every Monday, 20 days of writing. And we did that for six weeks till the book was done or seven weeks. So it, writing was a catharsis to deal, I think initially with the grief. And, um, you know, Gail transitioned over a 44 day period. She didn't go into hospice and transition the next day. Mm -hmm. She was there for six weeks. So I had a period of time where I knew she was transitioning, but let's make no mistake. It's still a shock at the end when somebody is transitioned and you're sitting there with her and her soul is gone to a higher level and you know, it, it still is a shock, okay? Even though it's expected, it's still a shock when it transition is complete. So the writing process was done and, and, um, and then I say to myself, well, what does this all mean? I wanna get the book released and it's not just all about the book, but Gail said something powerful to me, Jenny, is that Larry, you will love again and be open to that. And she said, well, you're much too young and we didn't know each other that long. And then in a humorous moment, she said, well, you're almost 65, so you don't want to wait too long either. <laughs> so she says, don't, don't mope around and, and, and put yourself in a cave. And the interesting thing about it was I met somebody else about six months after Gail passed. And it was because of the book. It was because of the book. I, I met a woman, her name's Elizabeth, and she asked me about past relationships and how long they last. And short story here, I said, well, my last relationship lasted 126 days, 11 minutes. I wasn't trying to be a wise guy. I just said, and she says, that's quite specific. I said, yeah, and I wrote a book about it. And she immediately wanted to read the book. Some other women might say, uh, 
forget it. You know, this guy is still grieving. Uh, maybe he doesn't know what he wants. She was just the opposite. She wanted to read the book. And then after she read the book, she understood. And she said, boy, I understand you more now just reading the book and what you did for Gail. And, you know, it's very admirable that, that you were able, that you two had the relationship that you had. And, you know, maybe Gail is permitting you, Larry, to meet me at this particular stage in life um, is making it possible. Maybe you learn things from her to make it possible to have a relationship with me. So as, as part of the process, it's led to another love relationship. Here we're talking about on Valentine's Day and I'll spend some time with Elizabeth this weekend. And um, so I've been able to move on and I, loved Gail. I had a beautiful relationship with her, but I did not have a history with Gail. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had a very short, wonderful love relationship with her. That was a catalyst for me to help me move on in my journey. And after every, every loss, um, Jenny, that I've had, and this one included now, it's not always a book that's going to be written. I've been able to do something that perhaps I would not have done to honor the person just lost. And I have found that to be helpful to me to get through the grief and to move forward. Mm -hmm. I know that was a long answer, but I, I think in context, I had to answer it that way. That's a beautiful answer. Mm -hmm. And it gives an even bigger, brighter picture, more colorful of Gail's story and your story and how they worked together. Mm -hmm. I, um, I will say when I look back on it and when I do look back on it, hopefully many years down the road, I'll look at Gail coming into my life and the universe bringing us together. She was able to get what she most needed at that time of her life. And I was able to receive from her what I most needed. And I've been blessed to continue on. Gail's journey here on earth ended, okay? And she transitioned to a higher level, but I'm still here. So now she's elevated my life to another level where I'm more enlightened and more aware. And that is going to really help me and it's going to help me serve others because I, I really feel jenny that the book is going to help inspire the gales and larry's out there who maybe are afraid to risk because society says oh wait somebody's sick she has cancer he has cancer don't go there you're not going to get anything out of this relationship and sometimes not risking is riskier mm -hmm. than turning away. And I don't judge anybody if some, and, and Gail did. She had some gentlemen that she met that when she was honest with them said, this is not for me. I, I want a long-term relationship and I, I don't think I could handle this. And it wasn't because of her physical, it was just, you know, cancer was in her life and they just didn't want to be a part of that. And that's okay, okay? It's yeah. better to know that rather than to get into it and walk away. But, um, 
so those, um, you know, when, when we look at it, uh, again, it's just the beauty of, um, of the ability to give love and receive love uh, two ways. And then that's going to help each of us. I think it prepared Gail. She was able to live in her truth, stand in her truth, transition on her terms as close as she could find that, Jenny, and, that and find peace. And that prepared her for her next level of consciousness. She was able to come to terms and find peace. And, and uh, if I helped her to do that, wonderful. I, did, I do think I did. But um, again, um, she was the inspiration and she inspired me to stay with her, to discover more about her and to have a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes, inspiration comes from the quality of the human being and what he or she may be about, you know. Mm. Yeah. Such a wonderful gift you've given us. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing yourself. Thank you for sharing Gail and your relationship and the mm. process mm. in all three areas. Mm. Well, Jenny, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm humbled and honored to, to be a guest and um, offer value to your listeners and your community because we're all in this together one way or the other. And uh, the stories we share, uh, there's something we can learn from each story. It can validate what we're thinking or it can captivate us to the point where we learn something new um, or it maybe could help us and contradict what we're thinking, okay? And maybe enlighten us in a different way. And each story is uh, unique. Each love story is unique. And um, the, the ability, uh, I like to say this, the heart has no questions, the mind has no answers. And if you listen to the heart and you follow it, you're gonna experience a love that maybe you thought you never would be able to do. And um, I did that, and I think Gail did that. And um, we experienced something really, really special. And uh, she made a difference. There's many Gails out there that after a cancer diagnosis, they become a number. People could treat them as a number, man or male or female, okay? And how they conduct themselves, why they conduct themselves. Um, is sometimes forgotten, but it comes down to truth, living in your truth as Gail did. Everything she said, everything she did and everything she touched was lit, was, was living truthfully. And, and that, um, that's, it was just a beautiful thing. And um, so I hope um, people, uh, I will say, as I said at the very beginning, it's a very fast read. You can read this book and six hours and there's love lessons there's life lessons it's a book about life and um there's great joy there is some sadness and uh there's great enlightenment there as to what's possible if you make that powerful choice mm -hmm. to do so yeah wonderful where can people find you larry um best way to uh find me 
you can email me directly at lindiviglia at gmail.com. So that's L-I-N-D-I-V-I-G-L-I-A, it's a mouthful, at gmail.com or Facebook at Larry Indiviglia or on LinkedIn at Larry Indiviglia. Um, I'll answer every email. And um, the book, as you know, Jenny, is available uh, on Amazon in paperback or Kindle format. The audio book should be coming out on Amazon's Audible any day now. I was hoping it was going to come out before Valentine's Day, but if it if it doesn't, it's just not supposed to happen at that time. So, but the yeah. audiobook will come out, and a lot of people consume their books now via audio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's kind of it. So. Wonderful. So for our listeners, if you enjoyed this, join us next time when we meet Selena Cheshire, stage four cancer survivor, author, and health relationship coach. Um, so that's going to be a treat as well. And if you want to learn more about my work, you can find me on my website, grievingcoach.com and LinkedIn, Jenny Diltz hyphen grieving coach, or you can join me on my Facebook group, Grief Transformation. Wonderful. Thank you again, Larry, for being with us. Very welcome, uh, Jenny. And I'm really excited for the work that you're doing and all these special stories that you're featuring. Uh, we're, we're able to learn uh, and get inspired by, by all of them. So thank you for doing that. Awesome. And before we close out, we have just a few minutes for questions, if there are any. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I don't really have a question, I guess, but just a gratitude for sharing your story. Um, really touched me um, hearing about your journey with Gail mm -hmm. and her, um, you know, being with her in her transition. Um, so I'm just really glad that you wrote this book and put that out to the world because um, you know the world needs more more love and I think that that was what your story shares is great love that um, you know transcends this life. Thank so. you. Um, I, I had a comment by in fact one of the reviews and I really appreciate that. There was one of the reviews of the book on Amazon. I was very touched by it and humbled by it. The gentleman said, um, you know, 126 days, 11 minutes. He said, it reminded me that there's still goodness in the world. And um, it touched me very profoundly because I, I didn't, it, my theme for last year was do something significant. And I have to honestly tell you I wasn't thinking of my theme during my relationship and everything with Gail. I wasn't trying to make it happen with Gail. But now when I look back on it, the universe brought us together and that was something significant that basically where I was aligned with my theme. So um, I'm very touched by your comments and uh, I'm sure Gail is too, because uh, without her powerful choice, um, I would still maybe be online. I don't know. <laughs> so. 
Wonderful. Any other comments or questions? Okay. All right, awesome.